Hey guys, welcome back to another installment of Beyond the Walls podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and joined with host Joe Hauer as we get to serve at Arise Church in Aberdeen, South Dakota, where we strive to love God, serve people, and lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, Beyond the Walls podcast is just an opportunity for us to go a little bit deeper in the conversations that we don't get to do on a Sunday morning. So now that I've been elevated from co-host to host... I didn't even know there was a promotion. Yeah, man. You know, I figured it was due time. Well, that's good. You know my name and I'm a co-host. And a co-host. Mm-hmm. Welcome. <laughs> well, today we're kind of doing something a little different. Usually, our listeners don't know this, but we usually wait a day or two after a Sunday to talk about the sermon and yes. do Beyond the Walls. However, today we are hot off the press and we are doing this the same day as I Sunday. I don't know how to handle this. Are you prepared? Uh, well, not only hot off the press, but I believe you just had a incredible nap and I, I just did. got back from my house from a afternoon of napping and hanging out. So it is a little bit different. It is. Yeah. We're just jumping right into it. I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, you know, I feel like we're just gonna have to roll with it. Let's roll. <laughs> So today was very interesting. If you guys were able to attend in service, we had a lot of fun. We brought Wednesday nights, our Emerge Youth program, to a Sunday morning, and we called it the Emerge Takeover Sunday. It was loud. It was crazy. It was fun. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah. I thought it was inspiring. I thought it went well. Yeah. There was candy to be had. Yeah. There was, <laughs> there was uh, no offense to ages there's a lot more older people that showed mm-hmm. up today that i wasn't expecting so i was a little nervous at that at first but it seemed like it went well i hope so I hope I see too. we're at the point where we haven't heard feedback from anyone else so we the, could be totally off the mark emails have not come in yet they usually yet. come in that's like Sunday early night, monday, monday yeah. yeah yep so but proceeding forward as if it went really well yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's just go with that we'll just believe that for now yeah, yeah do you want to give a little rundown about what you talked about today what happened out there yeah we like you said we essentially brought wednesday night to Sunday morning. We did have the elements of Sunday morning from the worship and the announcements and whatnot. But after the first 20 minutes, we kind of went all emerge and had the games, had the crowd participation, had the message. And yeah, I I think it went really good. It was actually kind of fun to see how many people participated. How we do it on Wednesday nights is if you bring your Bible we give treats. If you participate, we give treats. And, and we went the whole nine yards from we had uh, students versus adults charades. And actually, the adults killed it and left the students kind of with their tails between their legs. But that went fine. And yeah, we had scripture reading where the students like volunteered to read scripture and participation. We wrote on the whiteboard of different ideas. We had students and adults yelling things out. So I thought it went really good. Again, emails haven't come in yet, but we basically wanted to display what happens on a Wednesday and the importance of the time and energy we put into it. So we acknowledged some of the adult leaders that were there. We had a, a time for pre-recorded student testimonies and, and what they perceive as what's going on in the world and emerge and everything and had some amazing rocking worship this morning. So it was pretty cool. We spent the time on the message, what's going to be coming up in January, just breaking down First Timothy 4.12. We're going to call it the 4.12 lifestyle, but just kind of did a brief overview of what it looks like to live an example with your speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. And like I said, it, it was fun seeing the students and the adults all participate on the whiteboarding of what it looks like to live an example in your speech. And then we did it with conduct, love, faith, and purity. And the only one that was crickets was the the purity one. No one really knew how to handle that one, but it was fun. We had a lot of participation, a lot of laughter, 
We had slushies, which went over really good. And oddly enough, we didn't have like a huge mess today. No. I thought for sure after the Halloween party, this place was, was really just incredible. trashed. Mm-hmm. And with the free slushies and whatnot today, it went pretty good. So... <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was a lot of fun. It was really cool to see people get uncomfortable and get to see what our Wednesday night program looks like. I think it's a really cool opportunity for the parents to see what their students are experiencing, what they're learning. And just for the other generations that are represented here, which is so cool. I've always loved that uh, we have such a wide variety of generations represented at Arise, but to see everybody kind of get a taste of what Wednesdays look like. So that was really cool. Something I wanted to dive into since we've kind of been talking a lot about the handoff and this was the finale to our handoff series that I thought maybe it'd be cool to spend a little time just diving into your youth past. People might not be aware, but you have been a youth pastor for a couple of years before you were a lead pastor at Arise. So I was hoping to maybe shed some light on those years and uh, glean some wisdom for our listeners. Oh, so I'm going to let you know the bar is going to be so low. <laughs> I, I've been in youth ministry for a while, uh, officially in a, a hired capacity. I was, I believe it was four years that I, I worked with the, in the Fergus Falls Church. And before that, I did different odds and ends volunteer work participate in different programs and such. But yeah, four years in Fergus Falls before we moved here to do this awesome adventure that God has called us to. I think it all started, I mean, because I came to know Jesus on my own. It wasn't even looking for me, just kind of like, hey, Joe, I'm sick of you running from me. Just opened my eyes and heart to his love, his grace, his forgiveness, and, and who he who he truly was. And I think through that experience, I felt that people just had to know. Students had to know if, if I went so long through life, 15 years at that point of life with this misconception of who God was, then how do we get this accurate perception out? Because I didn't, I didn't know people's church experience. I kind of assumed it was a lot like mine, that it's messy and there's hurts, there's, there's people. So when you have messy, broken people, things happen. So I just assumed everyone, I guess, at that that time was probably like mine. And the youth pastor that was in charge, was let go, and I, I was extremely frustrated, which just fueled my frustration and animosity towards organized churches and kind of went rogue for a little bit, almost like a, a church planty type thing. I started this community youth program. We rented out the middle school and we had our own Sunday evening services. Uh, I can't, what did we call it? Revolution. Yeah, we called it Revolution. And, um, had some friends that helped out. We rented a bunch of equipment, and it was just this really messy experience. I think we had 20, 30 kids coming, and it was basically kids leading kids at that time. But that's where it kind of started. And unfortunately, with, with where I was in life and kind of my pride and lack of trust for people, there was a lot of amazing people that tried to help me and mentor me, for lack of a better term. But I just kind of pushed it away, thought it was... I don't know what it was, but basically my pride got in the way. So ultimately everything not necessarily crashed and burned, but just kind of faded away because I was young and I didn't have people or accountability or mentorship. So I didn't really know what to do after we got the gathering going. So we did that for, man, a couple of years and then ended up doing, <laughs> I forgot all about this. We ended up doing like some Christian rock concerts for a no. while. Yeah, we did. Um, where I'd, I'd bring in bands and we'd do, we called it The Rock. That's right, man. Dwayne The Rock Johnson? It was before Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I hadn't graduated yet, so it would have had to have been like 98, 97, 98-ish. 
And we got some bands together and started doing different concerts and trying to get students come and had a speaker come in and kind of give the gospel. So just a really poor, messy attempt at like a, a Billy Graham crusade type style thing that that ultimately, I mean, there was, I don't know, some cool stuff that happened, but thinking back now how cringy that was, it's kind of not, <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed right now. I forgot all about that stuff. But really the fuel behind it all was getting people to know Jesus and who he truly was because I had ran, I, I didn't run, I pushed him away. I had such a horrible understanding of who God was. And as I surrendered my life to the Lord and really tried to navigate my old life, with my newfound faith, I really thought Christians were boring. Mm -hmm. And it really felt like I was being asked to give up so much to live this lifestyle. I mean, I wanted to because I, I, you know, finally understanding God's love for me and who Jesus was in my life. I, I gladly did it. But at the same time, I was like, why do we have to stop having fun? Why does this thing called faith, I mean, if it lasted 2,000 years, there must be some, or over mm -hmm. 2,000 years, you know, it lasted eternity. There must be something to it outside of just the rituals and the traditions and the age-old hymns, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of my attempt to see what fun there was in it. And I guess through all of the muck and mire and trials and pitfalls of <laughs> my beginning experience of ministry, also thinking throughout that time that I kind of deserved a position, mm, yeah, which was probably the downfall of a lot of things and why I didn't follow through some of the mentorships because I thought like, well, what are you going to do for me? Like what positions can you offer me and all that stuff? So, you know, I, kn I knew I was created for something more since the moment I surrendered my life to Jesus. I just didn't know what it was. And I thought it was a position and I thought it was a title and I thought it was all these different things because I, I didn't really know what that meant. And since I didn't know there's everybody's created and called for an amazing purpose. I thought I was special. Um, so I burned a lot of relationships and bridges because of that. And it wasn't until probably into my early 30s, being on the railroad and just some different experiences in pursuit of what God ultimately called me to, I realized that I did not deserve a position, that I wasn't any more special than anybody else. And I actually am probably the worst person to have do anything and it was kind of at that moment i was like okay god i have to be responsible with them where i'm at before you ever give me anything but i you should never give me anything and i will be 100 content where i'm at and it wasn't long after that where i was like okay well now you're ready for this next step mm -hmm. it only took you 30 some years to figure that out but here we go little buddy and then started going back to school position opened up at our church and and I was like all right well god I'm going to try this if if not close the door and god obviously had his hand in it because I I got the job as the youth pastor and I got to spend four incredible years learning and growing and an incredible opportunity working under my friend Clay and learning I mean just preaching styles and seeing his heart and how he managed and did things and uh, my friend Tim I got to work with. I mean, there's just so many amazing experiences that I got to like, oh, this is what it's about. And I really, at that time too, I, I learned so much of what a church should be from Steve and just how he loved me. But then seeing the organizational part of church and how things were run was such an eye-opening experience too. So, But with that, I, I got to spend four amazing years. Uh, the first two years were pretty rough. Um, Sarah, I'm really surprised that you lasted as long as you did. <laughs> Um, but no, it was, it was good. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, it's good. 
Yeah, just giving a background of your youth journey yeah. from being saved at 15 to getting involved with some different organizations and then eventually kind of having a breakthrough moment and a step back and then getting pulled back in and yeah. kind of just cool how God moves and works through all the different life experiences and gets us connected with different people. And like you said, Clay and Steve and Tim for you that just helped pour it into you and yeah, I think it's cool to get to hear the part of your story that a lot of people probably don't get to know. For a lot of people, they've only ever known you as Lead Pastor Joe of Arise. Um, so to get to kind of peel back the layers and learn that a lot of your foundation was with youth. Yeah. And so now getting to serve as the Emerge Youth Pastor currently and just getting to see the passion come through on that, it's so cool to see how all that past stuff has been pulled back and tied in and God is using all of that. Um, so through all of those uh, different years and experiences, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned working with youth? Mm. Yeah, and specifically working with youth. Oh, man, I know I say it a lot, but it, it truly is. I mean, everybody doesn't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that genuine, authentic, I care. I, I remember when I first started, I, I tried to know all the answers and I tried to be able to solve all the problems. And I ended up not having all the answers and almost causing more problems. But when I put that aside and just started walking alongside being like, hey, I, I don't I don't know what to do. And I'm sorry, this situation is bad. I, I'll, I'll just be here with you and for you, you know, and kind of walk with you in that. And uh, that's that's when I think I started seeing a lot more, if you will, successes, you know, um, situations might not have turned around, but the relationships itself were stronger. And then further on down the lines, I was able to be there for them because I knew I would walk with them. And so I, I think especially in youth ministry is that genuine, authentic relationship and not trying to put on a show, but trying to be there truly mm -hmm. for students and then ultimately everybody. Yeah. I think that's the biggest one. Absolutely. So. Yeah. They can pick apart someone's genuineness oh. in two seconds flat. Yep. Yep. So it, that goes a long way of them truly knowing that this person cares. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And on the flip side of, well, not maybe on the flip side, but also in hand with that, what have been the most rewarding experiences working with youth? Oh, so, so very many. I, <laughs> so you don't have favorites, right? I mean, you love everybody, but there, there was a certain class that <laughs> just rocked my world in, in fun and relationships. And um, I think my biggest success was watching, it was my first group of, of students as I came in, they were freshmen at the time. And I got to see them graduate. So you go from ninth to 12th grade and there's a lot of life that happens in between mm -hmm. that. And even through that first rocky transitional year and that second year to seeing God work in and move in these students' lives and, and grow in amazing, genuine ways and seeing them go from kids to adults and make the decisions that they did and they continue to make was just, yeah, I think that was by far one of the most rewarding experiences that that I got to be a part of and truly it had so little to do with me but it, it's like what we try to do every Wednesday just create an environment where students know they're loved and cared for and they can come and be themselves and work through things and yeah just try to grow closer to God and because of that man we got to see a pretty amazing crew grow up and graduate and go on to ministry and missionaries and a lot of really cool stuff so yeah that was by far number one so far nice yeah yeah, no, that's that's super cool. And something I would totally agree with, too, of 
just like the couple of years of experience I've had getting to serve with um, some different youth groups and stuff is definitely getting to see the kids grow up and step more fully into who God has created them to be. And I think um, specifically, we've talked about it a few times of just even within Emerge, we've had a handful of students graduate and now come back and serve um, with the students again. So that's just such a cool turnover mm-hmm. to just be able to see God moving in and through them. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, And that awkward transitional, like I was a student last year, what do I do now? And, and, but like seeing their willingness and desire mm-hmm. to be a part of what was so influential to them, mm-hmm. and, but then pouring into that next generation. Ah, it's just, yep. it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> and getting to see the curtain pull back and they're like, wow, a bunch of maniacs are running this. <laughs> How was this so powerful in my life? Nothing is structured. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. But they survive in this part of learning. So with all that said, and just being able to watch so many students grow and step into their own, where do you ultimately see or hope for, whether that's Emerge or just youth ministry in general, where do you hope for that to go? Obviously, I'm growing, but not in a, just a specific number wise, but just growing in relationships. One of the things that I kind of somewhat struggle with is just from my past experience of not like going back and, and like I said earlier, about marrying an idea of like what a win is. You know, I mean, we in Fergus were able to build up a very successful youth program, which went from lower numbers to larger numbers. And we saw the students' lives grow and change. And so stepping back and realizing that God is doing something along the same lines, but it's different. And so the the outcome ultimately for students to encounter Christ in a new way and have a life-changing relationship with him and surrender their lives to him is the ultimate win. But what that looks like in that process is different. So I think one of the main goals that we will always have is connecting students with an adult. So continuing to develop those um, adult leaders that, that get it, that buy into it, and see that outside investment as a, as a, as a necessity to just that, that successful, not just youth ministry, but life and relationship building. So I think especially the way this culture is and growing, and there's such this like pushback against church, oddly enough, where I started off, and anything to do with a moral compass or God or Christ or anything, um, there's such a pushback with people being involved is I really think now more than ever, it will be reaching outside of the church walls. The Wednesday nights will be the event where we kind of gather and build up and equip and send out. But I think a lot of ministry just in general will just be the, the living life and equipping not only students, but adults and just everybody to be the hands and feet in Jesus everywhere they go. So where I ultimately see it going, I guess I don't have an end game, honestly, but but I do know the direction mm-hmm. and continuing to invest in, in the students, into their lives and into the adult leaders and equipping them to do what they feel called to do and loving in new and incredible ways of, of just support and understanding. And I do think there has to be kind of a, almost a upping of the game of I don't know what the right word, not a level of understanding, but I know we've talked about it before. Students face so much that not necessarily that I didn't face, but I faced it at a much older age where I was a little more mature and could handle it. Now what the students are facing now happens when they're so young and they don't even know how to process those things. So knowing that this is happening at such a younger age, students come in with so much more baggage, so much more hurt and so much more distrust for people. So as we, as we move and grow, I think it's going to get messier. I think it's going to get a little bit harder, but it's going to be totally worth it. 
So I know that doesn't necessarily answer your question, but I think the more of the end game is just walking in that direction mm-hmm. of just, I mean, you think about that song, Reckless Love, you know, I, and that's what we're called to do. Absolutely. That's so, so true. I think one element that really stuck out to me from the service today and just watching the student video that they put together of just um, answering a handful of different questions, like what's been the most impactful thing for you and your faith? How would you describe Emerge? What are the biggest things that you face as a young Christian? And with that question specifically, how many kids fell back on just the peer pressure and the examples that are set by other students and how hard it is to not fall into that and just follow the template of the other students and of the world. And a lot of them mentioned as being a fun part of Emerge was just getting to be around other people that were of similar beliefs Mm -hmm. and didn't make them feel embarrassed or weird or different or uncool for believing those things. So I think so much of it goes down to building a strong community for them to be surrounded and invested in, poured into, and yeah, just supported and encouraged by peers, as well as, like you mentioned, connecting them with adults that are of the faith and that can help guide them on their journey. Because man, if they haven't already faced enough, there's a lot packed down the road for them as well. Something that I love that Priscilla Shire sometimes says is preparing a foundation that when you fall down from cloud nine, you fall down to square one of just hitting that firm foundation of who Christ is, Mm. that if we can build such a solid place for them to stand on, that in those moments when they do feel knocked down, that they're not knocked out, Yeah, you know, that they can get up and not be shaken in that. So, and I think that's a lot of what youth ministry is, is just helping them to navigate and build those roots. Like that was one of the series that we did back in 412 in Fergus Falls was a series called Rooted. And an example that you guys used that I think of often is just how like an ivy plant or a growing plant digs into whatever structure it's growing against. It's growing taller, but it's also growing more connected to its structure. And at some point it becomes so connected, it can't be separated. But you I've always that? that's crazy. Oh, yeah. I remember that? Yeah, no, I totally remember that. Wow. But I just love that illustration. I love that analogy that it can't be pulled apart from that. That yeah, there might be rips. There's going to be tears. There's going to be things that fall away. However, the core structure of what that plant is is rooted. Mm-hmm. So um, that would be, I think, our biggest hope for our students is that when we send them out and they face the world, that they're rooted and Absolutely. they have a strong foundation. Yep, yep. When the world and culture and colleges and people with different opinions push that they'll be able to plant their foot on a, on a firm foundation and not be shaken and not have the rug pulled out from them. That I think we stress, if not, we're going to stress even more, is you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to understand everything. But if you know who Jesus Christ is and who he is in your life, not that the, the other things don't matter, but if you have that foundation of who he is, that's what you need, you know? How about you? Because I know you came in with you got invited in and you had dragged in you got dragged in (laughs) with a different view and you went through the the contemplations the questions Mm -hmm. and basically solidifying whose you were and where you were in your faith by the time you graduated so Mm -hmm. I, i guess from your perspective and point of view and your walk through youth ministry from being a student who was dragged in to now you're i mean i i couldn't do this without you you know, you're so tied in, you're helping with everything with all the lessons, planning, the preparation. So, I mean, you've gone from the kid who didn't want to be there to the person planning and preparing. So like proof that Jesus has a sense of humor, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, I think I always fall back down to, for me, it was the people. First and foremost, it was my friends that invited me and it was such a cool experience. I remember my first impression walking into the youth room, all the leaders were so relaxed and so casual and just so friendly and inviting. And that just took me completely off guard because my church experience up until then, um, it wasn't bad or anything like that. I just never felt super connected with or that people got down like on my level or met me where I was at. And so when I thought about where my friends go for youth group and all of that, it was just so not what I pictured when I got there for myself. So to see the leaders that were genuine, like you said, students pick that out immediately. So to me, the leaders were genuine. And I remember going into the first small group with my leader was Sadie and she went with us the whole way. Um, so she was my youth leader from middle school through high school till I graduated and she still follows up. It's amazing. So hi, Sadie, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> but I love that when I went in there, I felt so uncomfortable just because I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about I mean, I had such limited understanding of what anything was happening and then they're wanting us to answer questions and stuff. And the first thing she said is, oh, if you don't want to, you don't have to say anything. And that was so small, but to me, that was so huge. It was like, I didn't feel embarrassed that I didn't know anything. It was just, no, we're just glad you're here. You don't have to like prove yourself. You don't have to earn getting in here or being a part of this group. We just want you to be here. So for me, from that first experience of just getting to walk in and feeling welcome, that was super huge. Yeah. And from there, just kind of kept coming. I like the people that all of them were nice and it was encouraging messages and it challenged me to be a better person. And so there was a lot of inner conflict and a lot of stuff that I navigated through those couple of years just of uh, finally accepting Christ and learning who he was and having to reckon with, man, I'm not a good person (laughs) and having to come to grips with that and uh, just seeking his forgiveness. And yeah, that was all through youth group. So for me, youth group is is everything. That was why I stuck around afterwards. I got to be a youth leader uh, for a semester over with 412. And then by the time I graduated, um, you guys had come down to help start and plant Arise. And so kind of got connected in that way. But truly, it came down to, like you said at the beginning, it came down to genuineness and feeling welcome. It's been really fun to watch you be genuine and make people feel welcome. So it's that's that full circle. Well done. And don't forget that you spent three months in Ireland on a mission trip. And the that mission was a trip. little yeah. interlude in between that yeah. time. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I don't remember if this was you or not, but I okay. remember at one of the student leadership meetings we had, you, Clancy, and Emma were there. You guys had come up with something that kind of has stuck with me even till now, because we even say it. You said, we need to find a way for students to feel welcome, but not new. Mm -hmm. And we talk about that here of how do we make people feel welcome and not new all the time. So Mm -hmm. I just think that's so cool that in youth ministry, I learned that and that became such a huge, almost a pillar here at Mm -hmm. Arise of how we don't want people to walk in and feel like it that, oh no, they're going to call me out because I'm new, but they feel so loved and welcome that they want to come back. So I think that was your idea, yeah. wasn't it? I don't know if it was mine personally. It was probably like Emma or Clancy or one of them, but I definitely was on board with it because that spoke exactly to my experience at that point. And I was like, man, yeah, if we can create that experience for other people that they can walk in and feel like I just get to be myself and I'm accepted for that, then yeah, yeah. we're going to go on board with that. So yeah, for the next two, three years, we were the 
weekly greeters down on the bottom floor there, <laughs> welcoming all the students coming in. We'd sing at them. Chocolate outside. Hot chocolate, yeah. Did that. We even did some light stuff out there. Yeah, there was some lights. We always did like some music. Yep. And then because it was a double door situation, so we always tried to make it like an NFL entrance for them as they came in, Sweet. like welcome. But then we had yeah. the hallway. Then we had the steps. It was, a, a, it was a long entryway, so there was a lot of opportunities to make people feel welcome, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> welcome before they get lost. Before they get lost, yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. So yeah, it's ironic that now I'm, <laughs> Jesus has a sense of humor, I'll Truly, yep. mean, that's amazing. Yep. Everything I hated and stood on the hill to die for is now everything that uh, you do. And now has me leading. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. But you do it so well. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, hated public speaking, greeting, didn't like events or people. And now that is literally my entire it's job, job description. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So welcome to Arise. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. <laughs> now that you know she hates every moment of it. Yep. No, I love it. Yeah. yeah. That was BC, guys. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's been pretty cool. So, yeah. Well done. Well, I think that about kind of covers all the ground we wanted to dive into today. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning into this series where we've got to talk about the handoff. Uh, the next round, we're going to be diving into a little bit of a Thanksgiving theme with the triple threat. The so triple threat. It's going to uh, be good. What is it? It's, it's turkey tradition and tryptophan the triple threat it's gonna be good so make sure to tune in next week thanks for listening we'll see you guys later bye